This is Viterbi Voices. Coming to you from the University of Southern California Viterbi School of Engineering. We're here to give you the inside scoop about research, classes, student life, and so much more. All of these shared from our students, faculty, and other members of our USC community. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Viterbi Voices. As usual, I am one of your hosts. My name is Paul Ledesma. I am the Executive Director of Undergraduate Admission here at the USC Viterbi School of Engineering. And hi, everyone. My name is Emily Powell, and I'm a senior studying biomedical engineering. Well, we're back with another one of our uh, alumni episodes, alumni conversations, whatever you want to call it. Uh, today, uh, we have a really cool conversation with Kim Pacheco. And Kim studied civil engineering at USC and mm-hmm. has done a number of cool things since uh, graduating, uh, mostly working in kind of structural engineering ideas. She's built things. She's constructed things. She's done things all over the country, some amazing, cool projects. I don't want to spoil a lot of uh, what she has actually done here, but she is a fantastic civil engineer. And if you've ever wanted to know what goes on with civil engineering or the ideas of structural engineering or what types of projects you end up working on, this is a great conversation because she has spent her entire uh, professional career starting as an intern at John A. Martin and Associates and Mm -hmm. has worked her way all the way up to being an associate principal there, uh, doing some really cool things and currently working on a very, very cool project that I I don't want to spoil, but it is an incredibly complex uh, problem that she's trying to solve. Um, Emily, I don't want to step on too much of her stuff, but what else should people be listening for in this conversation? Because I was glad to have you there as well. Yeah, it was really cool being a part of that. I unfortunately haven't been able to make it to the past alumni interview. So it was great getting to hear from Kim. Um, I think for me, it was really cool to see like the nuances of engineering in her work and how Mm -hmm. like engineering isn't all just like crunching numbers and like the nerdy side. There's also like a context you have to do your engineering within and communication and just like problem solving. I thought it was really interesting. Absolutely. Uh, Civil engineering, a lot of students kind of uh, sleep on it. Uh, I think think there's a lot of trends in high school these days to think that computer science is the way to go. And you know what, there's not a wrong way to go. But uh, civil engineering, I think is getting slept on a lot these days. And so take a listen, learn a little bit more about the very cool and uh, challenging problems that Kim solves along with her colleagues. Uh, And let's get out of the way and introduce Kim Pacheco. Hello. Hi, Paul. How are you? I'm good. How are you? It's been forever. I know. I was just going through my head. I'm like, has it been like almost 15 years? Oh, that makes me feel old. (laughs) If it makes you feel old, how do you think it makes me feel? (laughs) (laughs) What's what's interesting is that your Zoom background makes it seem like you're in a giant, expansive room. (laughs) So it's like, why are you way back there? <laughs> yeah, it looks oddly realistic. I like actually thought it was your background. <laughs> it's actually a uh, picture of our office. So it's it is a real place, a real setting. I'm just not there at the moment. I love it. I think I think the 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 key is the dual perspective, 
Like you've got multiple points going off. Mm -hmm. And so it makes it look like you are in this vast expanse, which is really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Kim, welcome, welcome in. I mean, this is so cool to have you. Thank you for doing it. Are, are in general, do you listen to podcasts? Um, no, I am not a big podcast listener. Well, we'll change your mind now because now you're going to have to listen to this, <laughs> and, and now we're going to make you a celebrity. I, I, we should warn you that uh, once you're on the Viterbi Voices podcast, you uh, you get a lot of hits. You know, this is this is going to be big time for you. So, are you ready to become a celebrity in the podcast world? I mean. All right. I'm ready. I mean, I mean we it. get, we get dozens of listens, dozens of <laughs> listens, uh, every year. So we're, we're pretty excited. Um, Kim, I I'm really glad to have you here and I'm really excited. Uh, and, and like I said, at the beginning, like what almost, cause you graduated in 2008, right? Correct. 2008. So we are at 14 years if I'm Oof. doing my math correctly, which is super exciting. And I remember way back in the day, if I have this right and tell me if I have it right, this, this, this young woman coming from San Luis Obispo and her parents and you're visiting campus and lots of questions from mom and dad. And uh, there was this whole, I remember talking to your parents about San Luis Obispo and like, what it was like, and what it was going to like to come down to LA. And uh, do you remember those days of coming out of high school? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's so funny because, you know, San Luis is a small city, small town. And um I remember I specifically did not apply to UCLA because I didn't want to live in LA. I just thought it was like too big, too overwhelming, just too much. Um, Obviously my mind changed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so it, it, it worked out well for us because we got to have you and spend a lot of great time with you. We did cool stuff and I'll try to keep the conversation as chronological as chronological. Yeah. Chronological as possible. Um, but do you remember, uh, I think one of the things we, we, I think we do well on this podcast is to try to help students identify with people that they don't identify with, right? So they see you as successful engineer, always knowing everything they got. But do you remember back in high school, like was, was civil engineering always your jam? Like, was that like just oh, exactly yeah. where you're going to go? Like, how, can you tell us about that, that transition of what, what you were like in high school and then how you found yourself doing civil engineering at USC? Yeah. You know, so it's so funny because in high school, like I did well in math and science. And at first I actually didn't want to go to a four-year college. I wanted to go to cooking school. Um, Wow. Yeah. I wanted to go to culinary school and my parents squashed that down pretty quickly. Uh, Paul, you met my parents. You might remember them. They're yeah. they're opinionated in yeah, a good yeah, way. Yeah. Well, they're, they're very practical. They're very practical. They are very practical. Um, and so they wanted nothing to do with culinary school. Um, and then I thought I wanted to be an architect because a few years before that, my grandma had taken my cousin and I to London and Scotland, and I just fell in love with Gothic architecture. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, okay, I, I want to be an architect. And I actually had an uncle who was an architect. My dad's like, you know, like it can kind of be like up and down. You're so good at engineering. You should do civil engineering. I think they do buildings. (laughs) 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 And there there was some back and forth between my parents and I for a bit. And it turned into fine. I'm going to check the box. I'll figure it out when I get there. I can always change my mind. You know, and at the time... Like when you're in high school, you always hear that like people change their majors like three times during college or four times or whatever the number is. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know. Um, 
And so I thought, okay, like I'll check the box. I'm not committed to this forever. We'll see what happens. Um, and then freshman year, one of the first classes I took was Introduction to Civil Engineering. And there were speakers from all different aspects of civil. There was someone who came in and spoke about water. And I was like, nope, not interested in that. It's <laughs> a quick no. <laughs> it was a quick no. Uh, someone else spoke about like soils and geotech. And that was another quick nope, not interested in that. Uh, someone did environmental. Nope. So I'm kind of like striking out on all yeah, of these things. Yeah, yeah. And then Farzad Naeem came in and he did a whole presentation about the Walt Disney Concert Hall and all of this crazy software that they had to use to model it and to design it. And I was like, yes, this is my jam. This is what I want to do. Got it. Um, and then actually fast forward that to two years later, um, after junior year, no, after sophomore year, um, I actually started interning for Farzad. Really? Yeah. So wow, I was, circle. it was, it was so full circle and it's even crazier because so at the time I was doing research for Dr. Meshkadi on campus and he and Farzad were besties. And so one summer was during sophomore year, Farzad, um, Dr. Meshkadi's like, Kim, what are you going to do this summer? He said, oh, I'm going to go home. I'm a lifeguard, surf. And he's like, no, you're not. You need to start focusing on your career. You need to intern. And I was like, mm, I'm kind of young. Like, I don't know if anyone takes sophomores. He's like, oh, I'll call Farzad. It'll be great. So turns out I ended up interning for Farzad for that summer. And then through my junior year, I was interning part-time um, at John Martin Associates, which is the firm that I'm still with 16 years later. Holy cow. Yeah. Wow. Um, you know, and it's funny because I was, I go to career fairs. I was at a virtual one yesterday mm-hmm. interviewing students for a potential, you know, summer internships. Mm-hmm. God, my life has really become full circle now. <laughs> 16 years at John A. Martin and Associates, uh, starting yeah. as an intern in college. Can you, can you tell people what John A. Martin and Associates does? Cause I mean, obviously as, as civil engineers, you kind of all know, the, the players in the field, but uh, to someone else coming up, like what, what, what does, it doesn't sound like anything. It sounds like a law firm. <laughs> it does. It does. Uh, we're not that cool. No, we're, we're better. We're way cooler. Okay, um, <laughs> so we are structural engineers and we only do structures. Um, we don't do any of the heavy civil aspect. So we, um, we do buildings and occasionally pedestrian bridges um, we are doing a bunch of work out at LAX right now. Oh. Um, yeah, so every, everyone knows that. I currently have a bunch of hospital projects, school projects, um, telecom projects across the country. Um, so that's what we do. We do buildings. We'll design new buildings. We'll evaluate existing buildings. Um, I've helped come up with seismic ordinance programs and we go in and we do seismic evaluations for clients. Um, We've done it for colleges where we look at their whole campus and we Mm -hmm. give them um, an inventory and tell them, you know, how, what's their building's health? What does it look like? What buildings are in great shape? Which buildings might have some risks and what they can do to help mitigate those risks. Hmm, Cool. Now uh, we, we kind of, I don't think you, you skimmed over it because I think it made complete sense, but I'm, I'm trying to imagine the, the mind of a high school student where you said like, okay, so you heard 
water and that was a quick no and you heard you know this other stuff that was a quick no but structural and the ideas of, of building came in and, and made a lot of sense to you um can, can we flesh out what made something a quick no and what made something incredibly exciting because mm-hmm. you don't know this but one of our last episodes was a civil engineer who did the opposite heard water <laughs> and was like i'm all in and and it's so what's i really love that we're putting these out relatively close to one another because someone who loved water did water the whole life and you're like heck no that sounds horrible <laughs> <laughs> because you're both right right it's all about how you like something i guess that's the weird part which is you can never make it a longer question than it needs to be but like how do you describe why you like certain ice cream flavors it's like how do you describe <laughs> why you like one part of a discipline than, than something else exactly you know and I, I think you hit it it's kind of like ice cream flavors it's all based on your personal preference um you know for me water just just didn't really do it for me. They're talking about water treatment <laughs> and the chemicals you need to add to make it safe and clean. And maybe, maybe it's just more chemistry heavy than I was really into. Maybe but that's that it. Was, yeah. Yeah. Um, the chemistry is like, oh, okay, I'm glossing over. I don't want to sit here and do that. I mean, Emily, mm-hmm. that's more on your vibe, right? In the life sciences stuff. Like that's what got you excited mm-hmm. in, in kind of where you're going. Cause Emily's a biomedical engineer. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. And I get that question all the time from students. Like, how did you know biomedical engineering was right for you? And I was like, well, I know I'm definitely interested in medicine. And it's like, well, why are you interested in medicine? Um, It just becomes like further and further down. But I think it's cool that like your initial interest in architecture, like stayed true for like going to civil structural. Is there like, is there a specific aspect of structural? Like, how is it broken down? Is there a specific part that like you're even more drawn to? Hey, y'all, sorry for the interruption, but I wanted to let you know that we have a number of campus visit programs available to you right now. If you want to check out what campus is like, if you want to learn more about the Viterbi School of Engineering, go to viterbi.link slash visit. That's V-I-T-E-R-B-I dot link slash visit, where you can learn about our Viterbi visit experiences that happen on most Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. We have some virtual events that happen on occasional weekdays and occasional Saturdays. Plus, we have some transfer virtual admission sessions where you can learn all about how to get those courses ready for transferring. We want to meet you. We will have lots of opportunities opportunities to do it and it's happening all summer long, but get your registration in now at viterbi.link slash visit. Hope to see you soon. You know, so I've spent my whole career on the West Coast. Um, and so our, my specialty is seismic design. Um, I love earthquakes. Some people are scared of them. I think they're great. I, I really like them. <laughs> Um, so that's kind of my focus. And I think, you know, something that really drew it to me, drew me into structural is the ability to see your design get built, Mm. you know, and from when I was a little kid, I was always playing with Legos and connects. Mm. I remember, um, I was probably about seven years old or so. And my grandma got me this connect set with a motor. So I built a Ferris wheel and it could actually like spin and turn. I was like, this is so cool. Yeah. And so I think part of it is like, now it's like grown up connects. Like you can actually like <laughs> do a whole building, you know, and getting to go out to a site and see like your design be built is really a lot of fun. So, so I think that Emily's onto something here in that I think the greater kind of population as a whole, greater society says, oh, you like doing that stuff. Go architecture. And we have to spend a lot of time saying like, eh, 
I think you really want to go civil engineering. And so like, how do we tell someone that's, that has grown up like building stuff and they like the idea of blank physical space turned into something that they, they, that wasn't there before. Uh, how do, how do we distinguish uh, a, a architecture versus structural or civil engineering? And, and also how do you work together, I guess, down the road? So again, I'm leading you down this really long question, but there's a lot in there to, to pull apart for students. Yeah, no, there's a lot in there to pull apart. And I think one of the big things is to think about what part of the building you're really drawn to, because the architects in general, they are laying out a building, they're doing the space planning, you know, they're going to work with the client and they're going to figure out how many square feet are needed for labs versus classroom versus um, collaborative meeting space. And so they're thinking of the building as a whole and the end user and how that gets implemented. Whereas from a structural perspective, I'm looking at how do we make this building stand up? Hmm. How do I make it stand up for gravity loads? How do I make it safe during and after an earthquake? Um, So it's kind of which part of that that you want to do, whether it's the overall planning and programming whether it's the actual design of the members. So like we, as structural engineers, we design the foundations, the columns, the beams, the walls, um, the roof. And so it's a very, it's very tangible in that, um, in that regards. And then the architects, you know, they're obviously doing all the finishes, what the building looks like. Um, so they, they have a very wide knowledge base. Um, that they have to bring in. And they're also doing a lot more client facing where they're making sure that the client is getting the type of building that they want. And the first thing you you mentioned, Farzad, and you mentioned the Walt Disney Concert Hall. And I think that's one of the best examples of architecture versus structural engineering because the the design and the challenges. And, and it's really interesting because, you know, Walt Disney Concert Hall, I think it opened around 2001. And so it's going on 20, it's like 20 years old now. Um, but it's a Frank Gehry design, another USC architecture alum, Frank Gehry design in Los Angeles. It's a huge sweeping, very aesthetic, uh, design that people like that. I'm sure structural engineers look at and go like, you want me to do what? (laughs) Yes. And those buildings, those are always the fun projects when, (laughs) when you get something crazy and they're like, we can do that. Right. And it's like, um, all right, let me think about it. Um, You know, like recently, um, I just finished a project. Well, the finishes are still being done. Structurally, it's done. Yeah. Where we moved a 350-year-old house from Japan to the Huntington Library and Botanical Gardens. Really? Wow. Yeah. Um, It's wild. It has been so fun. Um, so I actually started on the job back in 2017 and I met with the client and that was Huntington and they're like, so someone's donated a house. Can we move it here and let the public go through it? Wow. I was like, wait, what? Really? Um, wow. And, and what, what was, what was the story behind it? And, and how did you, you, you said it's almost done. So how did, what were the challenges? What, how did you solve those problems? So uh, the history to the house is that it's actually, or it was the magistrate's house in um, Marugame, Japan. Hmm. And so it was where all of the local business happened. People came in, they paid their taxes, they bartered, they traded. Um, 
births, deaths, everything was recorded and stored there. Mm-hmm. Um, so culturally, it was like a very, very important place for this region. Um, and the family that owned it, the Okoye family, um, has since grown and spread out and no one's really using the house as much. And they had a connection to the Huntington Library and they didn't want their house to be destroyed, but yet they weren't actually using it anymore. And so they asked the Huntington if they would like it. And the Huntington said, sure, great. We love it. We can, you know, bring this culture and heritage here and share it with people who otherwise, you know, may not be able to travel to Japan and see this. Um, And so Structurally, one of the biggest challenges was that this house is 350-ish years old. It's made out of wood. um, And the client wanted public occupancy. And so moving it here, uh, you know, Japan has earthquakes. Uh, We have earthquakes, so that's good. But this house obviously was not designed to modern building code. Hmm. Um, so early on, I had a meeting with the city to ask them or tell them about the project and ask what we have to do structurally in order to bring it here and let the public walk through it. And he said, you have to meet current code. Like, Great. No breaks, uh, no deals. Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah, it, um, it, it's been crazy. So we... I had actually two architects on the project. I'm an architect here in the U.S., an architect in Japan. Um, and the Japanese architects, most do not speak English. And I do not speak any Japanese. So that's challenge number one. Right, right. Uh, challenge number two, that this is 350 years old. Um, it's built out of type of wood called hinoki, which we don't have here in the U.S. So then I'm trying to do research on that type of wood and the material properties. Wow. Um, so fast forward a couple of years and we do some preliminary designs, figure out how we're going to put in shear walls without making the architects too upset and without. It, it's, it was a big balance of like we need walls to resist the lateral loads, to resist the seismic loads so that it's safe during an earthquake, but we don't want to affect the overall integrity of the building, the architectural integrity, the cultural integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And we're doing this between English and Japanese and it being translated. And so there was... <laughs> That's crazy. It was crazy. It, it was a fun process. Um, I actually, in 2019, so just before the pandemic hit, mm-hmm. Um, I got to go to Japan twice to go see the house. Yeah. The first time was in its, um, in its location. And then I got to see it and look at all the finishes had been stripped. Um, so it was down to just like the structural framing. And so I got to see like what the condition of these materials were. Some of it was totally fine. Some of it was not, um, you know, in hundreds of years, you get Mm -hmm. water damage, you get, um, thermite damage and other Mm -hmm. critters. Um, so then the next stage, next stage was they actually cataloged the whole house, took it down, moved it to a warehouse where they restored and rebuilt the house. And then they started figuring out, um, cause I had sent a set of drawings. And so they're figuring out how my walls were going to work in with the existing structure. And then I went back to Japan to the warehouse where they had rebuilt it, um, 
And then I got to work with them on how all of the details were actually going to fit together and how were they really going to make this new system work with the old house. Um, it, it was great. It was, it was so much fun. Yeah. And is this, this is at the Huntington Library, which is uh, for anyone's not listening, just in Pasadena, just a little bit up uh, from downtown LA, where we live 15 minutes north of that. Um, you know, it's a great place to check out the gardens, the, the museum, uh, it's some really, really cool stuff there for anyone to look up. Is, mm-hmm. is that open now? Is that about to open? You said it's almost there. Um, so it's not yet open to the public. You know, I'm not sure when it's going to. So our project, it consists of the main house. Um, and then there's also a gatehouse structure. And so structurally, those are both done. Um, what was so interesting is that we actually, or the Huntington brought in Japanese carpenters and Japanese oh. finishers, oh. artisans. So it's, it's wow. very authentic. Um, and as you can imagine, COVID slowed everything down. I bet. Yeah. Um, from getting visas and vaccines and getting people over here to get it built, um, put a huge, huge, huge wow. drag on our timeline. Um, but it's happened and everything's being done. And I think, I think the gardens are being done right now because they're actually yeah. replicating the garden that the house originally had oh. um, in Japan. Wow. And they've, they've even brought over the original stones. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah. Like it's a How very cool. serious replica. Oh my gosh. Well, I'll have to look into that and follow up. Cause that's just a, a great spot mm-hmm. in general, like cool, cool things. Um, so you're in, you're in the LA area now. Um, so no. the office is in LA. I right. actually live in Seattle. Seattle. Okay. Wow. So I yeah. should have asked, where are you right now? <laughs> <laughs> How long have you lived in Seattle? So I've been up here five years now, which wow. yeah, kind of snuck up on me. What prompted the move to Seattle? Because most of your work sounds like, like you've done all your work at LAX and you got a lot of LA area stuff. You got the Huntington Gardens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most of my work, a lot of my work is LA, California based. Um, So I actually came up here for my husband's job. Mm. And originally we thought it was going to be, you know, a year, maybe two years. And we'd go back down to to Southern California. Um, You know, it stretched to three, then the pandemic happened. So now Mm -hmm. we're at five. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It just kind of sneaks up on you. How do you like Seattle? You know, I'm liking it a lot more. Uh, When I first moved here, it was rough because it was January, it was cold, it snowed, and having spent the past, you know, 10 plus years before that in LA, it's just like, what is happening? This is not okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got Uh, the look down now with the vest, like that's pure Seattle. That's like, that's, that's, you're rocking Seattle. I mean, it's probably been a little warm for us today. I think we're going to hit 50. <laughs> hey, cool. Well, it is 75 degrees right now. Where I'm at. so hot in LA. Thanks, it's very, it, No, it's been a heat wave. It's been like uncomfortably hot. Um, like the career fair was earlier this week. I was on mm-hmm. campus. One of the employers passed out because it was so hot. It oh was just, gosh. it was not oh. good. I mean, because I think it's, I think the heat wave snuck up on everybody. Like, I, I know I was like, oh my, I need to go sit down. Like, I don't, like, it was just hot, dry weather. It was almost like one of those Santa Ana winds in like September, like that type of feeling in February, which is unheard of. Um, so like horrible, hot weather, but bonus, I was just telling Emily before you came on, but I got to go to the beach last week and like going to the beach in February was amazing. And I think I'm going to go again this week because it's like <laughs> fantastic, perfect beach weather. The water is freezing cold. So you can't really go into the water <laughs> without a wetsuit, but it is uh, 
really, really exciting. Um, I'm, I'm curious about these projects that you do because you, even in the course of our conversation, we've spanned so many types of kind of end use applications of projects, so many various levels of scale. I mean, like just in the course of this, we, you talked about LAX, because I think you worked on the Tom Bradley International Terminal. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. And, and then this, this relocation of a house from Japan, those can't seem any different to me. Uh, and, and a quick plug, by the way, the, the Tom Bradley, Emily, have you ever been in the International Terminal at uh, LAX? I don't think so. It's the most amazing terminal in all the world. Like it is the, one of the coolest airport terminals ever. So I'm, I'm giving all 100% oh, credit to Kim. It is like the coolest experience ever. And I'm always, whenever I have a flight out of there, because it's very rare unless you're really going international, um, but I might have one next month. Uh, I am like super pumped because those big, it's just, it's just a huge space. The anticipation is rising for me because I'm going, I'm going um, out of the country for spring break, hopefully. So. I get to see oh, cool. Work. Well, you see where your Good flight comes you. out of. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. So Kim, what was your, what was your involvement in, in that international terminal? Cause work still continues on it. I think. Work still continues. So I worked on um, Tom Bradley years and years and years ago. Oh, okay. Um, the nice thing I about airport work is. I still give you credit. Thank you. I, I had a, a minor role on it. Kim Carden in our office did a whole bunch on it. Um, but you know, the nice thing about airport work is it goes on forever. Airports are always building. The minute you're done with one terminal, you're moving to the other, and then this one's out of date. You got to keep going around. It's like painting the exactly. Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, they never stop. It just it keeps going. Uh, but you're you're right. You know, the, the two projects are totally different um, from the scale, from the material. You know, the airport. You talk about those big, vast open spaces, and that's being done with steel. Um, there's mm-hmm. a lot of steel. There's a lot of glass. It's very open. They want it to be airy. Um, versus this house is much, much smaller and it's done out of wood um, structurally. It's wood, there's plaster. Um, it's totally different, like night and day, these two projects. Yeah. Um, what has been your most exciting project or something that you always are like, oh man, that was, that was it. That was the cool thing that I always go back to as like a pinnacle. You know, for me, um, there's, there's two and they're very different themselves. Um, one was actually one that I did while I was an intern and it is not like a big, exciting thing. It was a central plant on a campus, hmm. but for me, it was a big deal because it was the first building that I got to design top to bottom. Wow. I got to do every single part of it. I did the diaphragm, the roofs, the foundations, um, and to, you know, it's not a big building. It was small, but it's like, I did it. Like I yeah. did this whole thing and like, they trusted me to do this. Yeah. Whoa. And scary. you did that all as an intern? I, yeah, I did it as an intern. Wow. That's um, super cool. Yeah. I think I, so I interned for a while. I was there for about four years because I was doing it during undergrad. And then I did it um, summers between undergrad and grad school. Um, so I was there for a while as an intern and I really, I knew everyone well um, and had a great design team. So that was, that was a big deal for me. And then my second like pinnacle project would be the Japanese heritage house. Um, you know, it's one of those once in a lifetime projects where you get to actually go there and move a house from another country. Um, and especially a house that's so old and so intricate. And we had so, 
so much back and forth and Mm -hmm. there's just so much coordination with it. Like it's, it was really incredible. I really love how like with the Japanese heritage house, it really exemplifies how like engineering is a lot more than just like this STEM stuff that you'd imagine Um, like on first glance, like you had to consider the cultural heritage it came from, like preserving the art um, that like is the house itself. So I think that's just a really beautiful example of that. Yeah, you know, engineers, everyone thinks that, you know, you think of an engineer and you think of like a nerd sitting at a desk with a calculator and just like crunching numbers all day. Um, There's so much more to it, you know, and it's, I think engineers are really part of the culture and society more now because we have to think about how, how is this building going to be used? What do people actually want from it? You know, and you have to think like people are trusting you to make this building stand up. Like people walk into buildings all the time without a second thought because you're never worried like, oh, is this going to fall down on me? Um, mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of a lot of trust there. Hey everyone, this is Paul. Sorry for the interruption, but I wanted to let you know about a new feature we just unlocked. It's about sending us questions or comments via text. If you go to your podcast player, check the show notes. There's a link there that says, send us a question or comment. It may be on our next episode. So go in there, send us a little quick text message. Let us know what your questions are. Let us know what your comments are. We'd love to hear from you. So we can't wait to see it. Now back to the episode. You know, there's a, um, <clears throat> sorry, I just started coughing in the middle of that conversation. There's a, uh, a I don't think it's a, a secret that there is a ton of excited interest of those going into the STEM fields to look at uh, computer science related degree programs, right? Like, oh my God, you got to be computer science to be successful, which first of all, isn't true. But I think one of the, <laughs> Thanks, one of the horrible byproducts of that is, um, the fact that civil engineering is then viewed as the opposite, like, oh, that's old, right? Computer science is the new, new and uh, yeah. civil engineers is the stuff that we already have. So why would I do that? How, how do you talk to parents that think that when they're looking at their, their sons and daughters, looking at different fields, trying to find what they want to do? Uh, and how do you talk about that to the extent of what, what we all know is true, but maybe our listeners don't, uh, civil engineering is more in need now than ever before. It's absolutely in need. You know, if you're if you're watching the news, um, you'll see that you know in the past two months there have been crazy tornadoes that have been ripping through the country and mm-hmm. literally tearing buildings apart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if you listen to like the Build Back Better plan, they want to do all this infrastructure work because we have thousands and thousands of bridges that are old. Um, they were never meant to be this. They were never meant to be around this long. Their 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 lifespan was supposed to be like you know half of what it, what it is now. Exactly. You know, like buildings and bridges when when they're designed, they're designed for a lifespan of about fifty years. Um, you know, and that's at like a, a normal usage. Some of these bridges, you know, when they're in areas with heavy snow, heavy traffic, that lifespan gets shorter and shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, so like we said about like airports, like there's always work to be done. Like people need these things. People need buildings, whether it's to go and work or to go to live, um, airports to travel, train stations. Like we need infrastructure as a society. And the infrastructure that we have is so old in parts. Um, and so 
decrepit. I mean, kind of mean to yeah. say, but it is. It I mean, is. It really, it's decrepit. It needs to be updated and modernized. And even, um, you know, I do a lot of K-12 schoolwork and a lot of these school buildings are 50 to 100 years old. And it's like modern classrooms are very different than what they used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, everything from like the layout, the actual floor plate layout to the, the mechanical systems um, so that now classrooms are too small because we have different teacher to student ratios. It's like, it needs to be upgraded. It needs to be modernized. Um, and that's never going to change. You know, we're always going to need infrastructure. We're always going to need buildings. And, you know, some of them you want to save and you want to repurpose them, but some have reached their end of useful lifespan and need to be torn down and built new. Yeah. I mean, whether they're falling down on their own or whether they just need to be completely redone, all of those things are true. And the last big infrastructure push we had was, you know, coming out of the depression, coming out of World War II. I mean, we're talking about 70 to 90 years ago is when we have most of these things built. Mm -hmm. Not to mention we do things differently now, like how, how someone teaches inside of one of those old classrooms versus how someone teaches now, not to mention energy conservation. Um, And a lot of what you do with L with, with lead LED um, and how it's built and how it's used and how, and how buildings can be much smarter for lack of a better term. Can you help explain what some of the more recent things are with, with LED certifications? Yeah, so I'm actually a lead accredited professional. Um, so I'm lead AP during grad school. I took a class on it, took the, the course um, and passed that. And it's changed a lot since then. There's now different subspecialties that mm-hmm. you can do. Um, I'm the old school lead. I, I haven't <laughs> kept up with all the, all the new things, I'll admit. Um, But what it really is, is it's about being sustainable and it's thinking about infrastructure takes so much energy and resources, you know, everything from digging out foundations and concrete and rebar and steel and where everything's being sourced from um, and how much energy is being used to produce it, to truck it in, to build it. Um, And so it's really, people are now really thinking about how much energy goes into a building Um, And so when we're looking at buildings, it's trying to be as clean, as efficient as possible. And you also look at, okay, we already have this building standing. There's already been all this energy put into it. Can we maintain this building? Can we keep it as is? Can we upgrade it so that we're still capturing that energy and not using extra energy to knock it down and build a new one? Um, And so with that, you know, you have to look at a lot of a lot of factors from what is, what's the layout of the building? Is it structurally safe? Um, You know, because in California specifically, when you're looking at hospitals or um, public schools, they have a different set of standards than just like regular commercial buildings. And so, you know, when you, if like take hospitals, Mm -hmm. you can have people who are in hospital beds and they can't get out on their own. And so you need to make sure that like that building is more robust than a building where like everyone is ambulatory and able to walk out on their own. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's higher life safety standards. Hmm. Um, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of different criteria that go into the buildings. Um, you know, people, especially if we like 
energy is a big one. And so like Paul and looking at your background right there and you can oh, see yeah. all of this like great open glass. Well, right? that's going to be our first lead platinum building. Fabulous. That's our, that's our new building under construction right now, Ginsburg Hall, but the first lead platinum building on campus. Which is awesome. You know, and so when you're looking at that, like it's not only building health, but there's also like people health. Like there have been studies showing that like people do better with natural light. Yeah. People don't want to sit in a windowless box all day. You know, it's depressing. Yeah. I think especially with like lockdowns, people realize like yeah. you don't want that. Totally. Um, and so I think, you know, lead and energy and sustainability, that's all one part of it. But I think people now more than ever are also looking at like the human aspect of buildings and how do people want to occupy these buildings? It's crazy. We're, we're in the middle of a, like a not a redesign, but like it, it, we're rethinking all of our spaces. Um, and it's the same questions that are coming up, which is like, we, A, we don't use them the way we used to, which is the first issue. The second thing is like, like, like when my office was designed, the, the furniture that's in there um, was and still is this giant piece of wood. Like I've got giant filing cabinets behind me and then this big desk that, that stretches into this desk with this big return so that people sit on that side and I sit on this side. I'm like, I don't use it this way. This is the dumbest thing in the world. And like for the long, for the longest time, I've been trying to say like, can I get rid of all this? Because A, I have nothing in those file cabinets I need. Like I have it all electronically yeah. now. Um, I'm storing stuff in all of here and all this stuff because I just did and I don't need it anymore. I can throw it all out. I just need recycle, a desk. of course. Recycle, of course. What I'm sorry. Thank you. Yes, I need to recycle <laughs> all of that. Mm -hmm. All I need is what the desk I'm on right now. I need this desk and I need a big table to meet with people. Like that's all I need. That's all I need. Give it to me. We're good to go. And then I need meeting spaces for everyone else. Like we're going to move some things around. Like there's lots of conversations about how we're going to like redesign some of the interiors of Tudor hall and not the interiors, but our office spaces inside of that. And it's just like, mm -hmm. yeah, we could, we could tear down all these walls. Like we don't, we don't need these things anymore. It's just a little ridiculous. No, it's true. And it's, you know, buildings need to be adaptable because the use changes. Yeah. You know, Tudor Hall isn't that old. It was, it was new when I was there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, well, okay. so it's going to be 20 years old. No. <laughs> I know. Like, it, yeah. I'm sorry to make you feel bad. The new building is the one being built behind me. Like this, this background image is, uh, I, I always tell people I'm, I'm broadcasting from the future because this hasn't been built yet. This is, this is the rendering. Um, uh, but it, yeah, Tudor Hall, we moved in in 2005. It was new yeah. to you. In your it was new to me because I started in 04. Yeah. So you walked in, you're like, woo, look at all this. And even exactly. then it's still the point, like you said, like this big glass open entryway, like we still have that. And that still is striking to everybody else, but yeah. there's been so many different buildings built on campus. Like Emily, what's the newest building to you on campus? Definitely Michelson. Michelson. New laboratory building. Yeah. Yeah. Our office did it. Oh, Great building. Oh, very yeah. safe. It's very, very safe. beautiful. That's lead gold. If I remember correctly. I don't know. I don't know. Take not your word I, for it. I, I don't know. Remember. I don't I'm remembering last time I was in there. I remember the certificate. I always like the certification on the wall. Yeah. And this building behind me is um, just behind Michelson. So Michelson is this structure right here on the side. 
It's weird imagining more buildings popping up. It just feels so full on campus already. Yeah. Like That's I can't the- even, yeah. Where is that going to take over a parking garage or something? There's a blank parking lot there. Okay. Like you're not even going to, you're going to be like, oh, what was here before? You're not even going to know. It's kind of like the way the Tudor Hall went up. I don't know if you remember came with Tudor Hall went up. It was like, how are we going to fit a building there? And now you can't think of anything but Tudor Hall being there. Because all it was was like a little tiny parking lot. There were the old army barracks. There were the last army barracks on campus from World War II. Um, and that's where the like oh computer gosh. labs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because we were a big GI Bill school. And so like we had a lot of military come from post-World War II and they, they, stayed and lived and worked in army barracks and then over time because they were just movable things army barracks got moved around campus and used for various offices and there were two or three if i remember correctly army barracks there and they were just computer labs and the weirdest structures to walk in because you can feel the wood moving underneath you um yeah right and then you got like a tiny sparking lot like this little like noli structure and then it went into eeb and so when you put up our space because now you got the courtyard on the side and the walkway it looks like it's always been there right but that's not at all how it was and moving of a house there was a house there too the on house which is a korean cultural house that was built there usc was built around and then we acquired it with the rules that we can never tear it down because it has a where's the house now it was moved and so there's this i have pictures of it when they actually moved it um do you remember nick wegner yeah. Okay. So Nick Wagner and I were filming a video as they were moving it. So we filmed them moving it. And it's, it's funny because it just looks like they put straps underneath it and like tied it up like they had it on a car and like lifted it up, put it on a truck and they moved it. And it's over by the JP house. Okay. Oh. That's where it went. So the house next to JP used to be right there uh, where Tudor Hall is. Wow. The on family house, AHN. Yeah, I love those houses like near the JEP house because like all of USC is like that beautiful like red brick. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's like those cute little quaint houses that are just like kind of a nod. I like that. Yeah, it's like what was there when we built around it. Mm-hmm. It's it's really fun to look at old maps of, of USC and see like how it used to be. And then you're like, oh, that's why there's a random left turning street here. It's because that was an actual street. Like my favorite part is like Hoover used to go straight through and Hoover would bisect like campus wasn't there it was just hoover that went straight down to figueroa and so when you look and you stand like basically where god what is that the mccarthy quad if you stand on the mccarthy quad and you look at hoover you'll recognize there's a straight shot like there's nothing there and it's because mm-hmm. that's the extension of this of the street and it's like oh that, that's where the street used to be fun stuff so when funny you get to old- think about that like just diving right through campus like it right. wouldn't work right um but that's what's funny about when you're an old, old man like me, you tell old stories of like, remember back when that thing wasn't here and over there and everything else? Like you talked in the beginning about how old you feel like, yeah, every time someone tells that to me, I'm like, yeah. And imagine how <laughs> every time I'm on this podcast, it's basically old man Paul and his stories. <laughs> We've had this conversation before. I know. That's what I'm we saying. talked I believe, about like, old buildings we, and yeah, how they weren't there when you were starting it. I bet. I bet it's it's a it's a common refrain, and I'm sorry, Emily, that you have to listen to it, and for our all ten of our listeners that they have to listen to it over <laughs> and over again. But it is uh, it's commonly how old I like to feel. <coughs> sorry. Oh my God, cut that out, <clears throat> Emily. Emily. God, now I've just completely lost my train of thought. <coughs> oh my gosh. Sorry, I've never had that happen, uh, Kim. You have also done a lot of amazing things in raising a family. Do we have two kids now? Is that the story? One. one just one. one. Just yes. one. 
She's no, she's a handful. No, How she's a um, she's wonderful. She's eight months old. So that was your first. I thought it was your second. Oh my oh, god! Congratulations. My what has Thank motherhood you. been like for you? Oh man, motherhood is incredible. It is challenging. It is very humbling. It is incredibly humbling. You know, you can make all the plans you want, and then this tiny human who doesn't even have words yet. She has one word, actually. Mama, great word. Uh, they will easily derail any plans you thought you had and yep. just make you change, make you pivot. Um, and it's awesome. You know, it's so fun. She um, has been crawling for about one week. She's about over it. She's decided it's time to walk. She's uh, <laughs> a bit precocious, a bit strong-willed. No idea where she gets that from. It must be my husband. <laughs> <laughs> my mother has told me karma is coming. Yep. It, you're not even there yet. Um, <laughs> you have no idea. Um, yes. The, the idea of, uh, that's how I describe parenthood is this idea of like, um, whatever you thought you were going to do, you found out recently you're no longer in charge. Yeah. Not even close. And it, it's it's really akin to how I describe students going to college. Like you think you know what you're going to go do. And then you go to college and you're like, oh, wow, I had no idea. And my whole life is going to just, it's going to be shaped by experiences. And I'm going to be making decisions along the way, um, like choosing paths. And that's that's really what having a kid is. And it's, it's so much fun. You're in a super fun stage um, where she's starting to become mobile. Um, and you will stay, what's funny about it, what I always tell parents, um, is you always, you always get stopped by people. Like you, you hear this constantly, like, and tell me if this is true. Like, you're like, Oh, I remember that stage. Like someone comes up to you and says, Oh, I remember that stage. And you're like, why does everybody keep saying that? And then you start realizing you'll start doing it too, <laughs> because you'll start to recognize that they literally are these stages that they never go back to like the houseplant yeah. stage where like you, like you can't leave her in, in anywhere right now. Cause she's moving. Right. Yep. And the minute she starts walking, it's, it's even different than that. Um, and then the ideas of like, it's, it's a, every, like an engineer, similar to your moving a house project, you start discovering that every problem is a problem you've never encountered before. And you just figured out the last one. Like the minute you get through some sort of stage where you're like, oh my God, we got it. Sleeping through the night. We got it. And then all of a sudden something else happens. And then you're like teething. Okay. Now I got teething down. Uh, I know, I know what that's all about. I can see where that's coming. It's the worst. It's just the worst. Right. There's, then there's eating and then there's potty training and then there's schooling. And you're like, you figure out once you, once you start to feel comfortable, they bring on a whole new, by the way, we have to solve this problem now. And it's just like, it's crazy, but it's fun. It's super fun. How many times have you been through this, Paul? Just once. Similar to you, she's enough. Uh, and, and, and all I can think about is, is the same idea. She started walking around nine months, um, quite precocious, has been ever since. Um, and it's just a nonstop. Uh, <laughs> whenever you feel comfortable, that's when she's going to spin something else at you. Um, and like, you know, I, I had big plans for what I thought she would be doing at this age. She had no interest in any of them. She does not want to play sports whatsoever. She <laughs> does not want, she doesn't want to do anything. How old but is then she? She is six. She's going to turn seven. Okay. Um, 
And, but she likes doing everything, which is weird. Like she soccer hated it. And then she plays and she loves it. Then she hates it when she has to go back. And then she, I'm like, come on, this is fine. And, and, and it's just this ongoing thing. She loves to like sing and dance. I said, let's go to singing and dancing classes. Nope. Don't want to do that. I don't want to be looking at me. Okay. And then it's just, it's just this ongoing kind of like, what wow. now? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that we'll get through that too. And this is just yet another element, but uh, the, mm-hmm. starting school in the pandemic is interesting. Um, but ultimately I think really cool um, because she actually did half of kindergarten virtually. And when we went in person, she knew everybody. And so there was this, no, there was none of that, like, who are you? I need to get to know you in person. They all knew each other. It was really kind of weird mm-hmm. and cool at the same time. And and now she's almost wrapping up first grade and it just keeps Aww. going. She's reading so like adorable. crazy. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Like our biggest thing is we give her a Kindle for Christmas and now she's just like every day going through books. And we're like, I can't believe this. I don't, I, that wasn't me. <laughs> that was definitely not me. Um, and she's just like reading like mad. So I'm excited for you. It's super, super fun. Has she read Harry Potter yet? She has. Oh, oh my gosh. I, she's only six. She's in book four right now. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. It started out with my wife reading to her in the pandemic. Like we're going to read Harry Potter. Like, let's, let's try this out. And then now she picks it up and goes. That's it's so insane. Hard. That's incredible. It's insane. I like recently started rereading Harry Potter and I'm in book four right now. Goblet of Fire, right? Is that book oh. four? Yeah. yeah right so here's back. the deal. I don't know a thing about it. Never <laughs> have. And every time you all were going through as students and like, we're super pumped about Harry Potter. I'm like, yeah, not me. Like, I just like, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't in my generation at all. Like I was just way before it. And so it missed the element of like me absorbing it. And everyone always said, including many alums, like, well, when you have a kid, this is going to come back and bite you because they're going to be into it. And lo and behold, she's a super Harry Potter fan. She is, um, she's a, uh, she's a Hufflepuff. She'll, okay. she'll tell you loudly and proudly and her black and yellow. Like she's really excited about that. Um, she will talk all about, uh, she, we got her like a little plant in her room. She calls it Scrimshanks. Is that what's a, what's a, there's a cat name. Crookshanks. Crookshanks. Yeah, there you go. See again. I don't know. And like my wife's getting into it. She's now becoming a super fan because she's reading it with her. And I try to watch the movies and I just fall asleep. I'm like, nope, what? I'm out. What? I tried. I tried. Just can't get into it. It's a whole thing. And I found out there's a, there's a thing where, and maybe this These is are hot true. takes, Paul, hot takes. <laughs> These are hot takes. I don't like Harry Potter, and, but I also realized I don't like anything that's related to it. So um, when I realized like, I'm the one that doesn't like Game of Thrones, I have no interest in it whatsoever. What? I tried what? watching it and bailed on it. And then I realized like, uh, Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, all these fantasy things that people get into. I realize it's just that genre, magic, fantasy, stuff like that. I'm like, I'm out. Every other genre, I'm way in and super nerd. But I just, I for some reason, I can't turn, I can't turn that corner. I'm sorry. I know I'm the problem. I'm not saying I'm right. I know that I'm the problem and I should be into it. Are you well, willing to make your Halloween costume Harry Potter themed? If next she, well, year? I do whatever she I wants. I know that's an important part. I do whatever she wants. Yeah, I, I, I do whatever she wants, but we, we tend to guide her. 
I've been pushing for the superhero family for quite some time and that keeps getting derailed. Um, I almost had her this year because she super loved Black Widow. And I was like, yeah, be Black Widow and I'll be whatever you want me to be in Marvel. That's, I'm excited for that. I don't know, Paul. I, I see Harry Potter costume in your future. <laughs> My wife probably won't want you to tell me this, but she had shoulder surgery earlier this year and she discovered like as she's healed, the one little scar right here is a lightning bolt. And she's like super pumped. Oh <laughs> we, were talking, we were talking about it last night and that she wants to get a tattoo and turn it into like a little like glasses and like put the hair because <laughs> it's a perfect lightning bolt cut. <laughs> right here. Yes. I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm down. I'll, I'll help you out. I'm just, it's just not for me, <laughs> but uh, I'm sorry. I don't know what we were talking about. Oh, kids. And then I took us on a whole <laughs> It was perfect. Um, have you taken? Oh no, you, I'm assuming you're going to get her into it. Oh, into yeah. Harry Potter down the road, right? Absolutely. She already has a Harry Potter blanket. Oh. She's, she's going to get into it. Okay. Have you done the uh, the theme park at all? I know not with her. No. She's too young, but uh, it was like the one thing I really wanted to do before we left LA. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't happen, so I'm thinking I'm going to have to make a special trip just for it. Emily, have you been? No, where is it? Universal. Universal Studios. Oh, okay. There's Hogwarts there. I'm very unversed in this type of stuff. I thought it was at Disneyland, so until we went <sighs> there. Me. See, Emily, Other direction. She, yeah, Emily just is Emily is like uh, if it doesn't involve camping, climbing, the desert, outdoors, skiing, then she has no idea what's going on with it. In a good way, Emily. That's not a that's not a but I'm, uh, down. I'm I'm always down. I just am kind of oblivious. I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> you're like what's that i don't know it sounds cool it's a pretty cool I, it's a very impressive theme park thing um and it, it's really exciting to see the kids get super excited the thing that turns me off is the grown men wearing robes getting way into it and i'm like <laughs> come on dude like you can you can be excited about it but like you don't need to push kids out of the way to have some sort of wand experience i think comic-con is not for you then paul <laughs> Dude, I, I've been to Comic-Con. I've been to Comic-Con, although it was when I was a kid. Um, uh, Comic-Con, I'm, I'm down for, but not, not all the the dressing up. That's not a thing. Yeah. No, no. Are you are you a big cosplay person? I'm assuming, you, Kim, you, you scream cosplay, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I no. can't say I've ever done it, to be honest. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, whatever makes someone happy, but uh, not my yeah, jam. Yeah, yeah, to each their own, to each their own. Um, back to, uh, back to the serious conversation. Um, when you've got, uh, these, these high school students that, that maybe are listening and and I hope that they are, and they haven't been turned off by this long conversation about Harry Potter, uh, specifically women going into engineering, what, given your experiences, what would you want them to know? What would you want them to, what what do you what do you think is going well? What do you think needs to be changed in the environment? I know that you're very involved in Society of Women Engineers. I know that you recently just got an award, if I if I remember correctly, um, related to either SWE or something related to your certification. I can't remember. I don't remember. No, I got it wrong. Nope, someone else. That's okay. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll edit it in post. <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> but what would you want students to know about like young girls to know about this idea of going into engineering? Cause I think no matter who they might be, uh, I think there is some trepidation because it is under, you know, the population of women engineers underrepresented nationwide. I mean, while we're, we're 50, 50 and we've been, we've been gender 
uh, we've been on gender parity since 2019. Um, it's, it's not necessarily the same in the industry. No, not at all. Um, you know, and the first thing that I'd want young women to know is you can do it. Like you can absolutely do it. And there's nothing preventing you from being successful. Um, you're just as capable, maybe even more so, honestly. Um, one of the big things is being able to multitask. And I've worked with a lot of engineers and I found that like the women are much better at multitasking than men. Always. Sorry, Paul. It's just, no, it's, I, I will be the first to tell you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the first thing is like, you can do it. Um, there's more and more women in the field. And the interesting thing is even in my company, um, in the past couple of years, we've hired probably about a dozen or so young engineers. I'd say 80 plus percent of them are women. That's great. Um, yeah. And everyone has accused me of like stacking the deck. And it's, it's not true. I haven't even had all the, the decision-making in that one, but it's just that we're finding a lot of like the best candidates are women. Yeah. Um, and it's awesome. And so like, you can do it. And there's, it's still a small number, but it's growing. And like our, in our company, a couple of years ago, I actually started a women's roundtable group and it's for all the women in the company. And when you talk about anything and everything, um, you know, because we have female engineers and drafters and um, office support staff. And so it's, it's for everyone. And it's to talk about, you know, the issues that affect us as women in this male dominated field. Um, so the first thing to know is like, you can do it. You are not alone. And there are so many women who are rooting for you and who want you to be successful and will help you be successful. Um, and for me, like that is a big passion is yeah. to help, to help young women um, realize that they can do it, not to be afraid mm -hmm. um, and to just go for it. You know, you talked about the idea of <clears throat> project management, multitasking, it's definitely a difference. Um, and I think also collaboration is, is a big difference as well, mostly because of communication skills. Uh, like these are the things that are all lopsided toward women. And that's why we need more women in these fields. How do you feel your, your work and your projects have been since you've onboarded, you know, 80% women of your recent hires? Uh, it's been awesome. Um, you know, and one of the big things that I tell new engineers from the start is like, do not be afraid to ask a question. Yeah. And I feel like women in particular will be afraid to ask questions because they feel like they should already know something. Yeah. It's like, no, like you don't have to know it. Like there's a good chance that like people above you don't know it and you're going to learn it together. Mm -hmm. You don't have to know everything. Um, and so that's one of my big things is just ask a question. Don't spend four hours trying to research something. That no. like, pick up the phone, get on teams and like, it's probably something we can solve in 10 minutes. Oftentimes I found too, when I get a question um, where someone you could tell was like, not sure they should ask, it's usually opening up a perspective that I just didn't have at all because yeah. maybe it's, I've been doing it for 20 years and this is the way we do it. And someone else asks a question. I'd be like, huh. like whether the question was legitimately valid or not, it like how far-fetched it might be. It's this idea of like, oh my God, you just opened up a whole thought process that I hadn't thought about. The minute that question comes into play, it's not about whether we answer the question or not, whether it has an answer, whether it's like a specific good insight into this one thing. It all ends up becoming a new conversation path of figuring out like once we're all talking, 
we end up how to figure out something entirely new. And maybe we have a plan that gets completely thrown out because we're like, well, no, look at this. This is going to be more efficient. This is going to be more creative. This is going to be, I don't know, just something else entirely. And sometimes I can come up with like materials that are entirely different. Um, we had uh, conversations similar to this as silly and I had no means at all complex as any of your civil engineering projects, but we're like, we're trying to come up with what we're going to do for admitted students and we're going to send out some stuff to them. And there's a real interesting question about like um, eco-friendly recyclable materials. And that changed our entire approach to everything we're doing. Uh, and I'm super pumped for it. And it's creating this super cool project that we've never done before. And I'm super excited for it. And it's awesome. And I think, you know, bringing on new people, you get those new ideas, you get the new perspectives. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the biggest things though is that you have to encourage people to talk. Yep. Whether it's sharing their knowledge or just asking questions and helping draw knowledge out of other people and collaborating to find an answer. Communication is such a key. Yeah, this goes back to uh, raising kids to, uh, you'll find what I've, what I've equated to, boys are dumb. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's the simplest statement in the world that can never be more true. Um, but basically you start to watch as, as, as you start seeing like daycares and preschools and schools, you're like, Oh God, the boys are just dumb. They're just dumb little animals running through things with their head. Um, and they literally are doing that in the beginning. And then you start to realize, Oh, this is actually the problem all the way through <laughs> into employment and, and the idea of understanding how to play and understanding how to talk uh, and figuring out it's just an entirely different culture, which is just, you know, obviously gender norms, uh, they need to be changed a little bit, but there's something different about the boys. We always tell the story about whenever, because we're really, it's odd in our neighborhood and all of our group of friends, it's all girls. It's just all girls. It's and so at funny. first we're like, this is weird. And then we realize that when we, like, we go to a, a social event or something where there's boys, everything's different. It's like really weird. It's like really like I'm, I'm uncomfortable because like the boys are like running oh through it 300 miles per hour, like running through the kitchen. Like what is happening? And they're <laughs> screaming and they're elbowing each other and they're like things are flying around. And uh, moms of boys are always just like they don't even notice. They're just so used to it. Like I, I was talking to one mom. She has two boys. She's a close friend of mine. And these, these boys went running through and literally like ran straight into her. Like it had to hurt. And I'm talking to her and she didn't flinch, like just didn't move. And I, I'm like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, it's fine. And meanwhile, I look over at my daughter and she's the only girl that arrived to this birthday party first. And there are no other girls yet. And she's just kind of sitting in the corner. Like, I don't want to move. I don't want to move. I don't want to wait for him. And then another girl showed up and they both looked at each other like saviors. Like, oh, another girl, let's go do something. And they went and talked in the corner and it changed the entire thing. <laughs> so boy energy and boys yeah. are dumb. Brute force methods. Yeah, Not exactly. always the, there's more elegant solutions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, usually, usually. Yeah, yeah. I'm the first to tell everybody. I, I'm, I'm probably the dumbest one here. Let's just figure out how we fix this. You guys tell me what we should do. Uh, Kim, you have been so phenomenal and generous with your time. I want to wrap up with you on one thing that we, we try to do a lot, but I always forget, but I didn't forget with you, which is our lightning round question. So I'm going to go, we'll put the timer on. We'll see how fast you go. It's just your first reaction to these questions. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. Texting or talking? Texting. Favorite day of the week? Friday. Yeah. Favorite city in the U.S. besides the one you live in? San Luis Obispo, California. Ooh. Nickname your parents used to call you. Angel. Angel. 
Last when I was song. really little. <laughs> the last song you specifically like went to go play. Like it wasn't just like on something, but you're like, oh, I, I'm going to go look at this and play this. Oh, I have no idea. I oof, no clue. I've been using Spotify and Amazon Music for so long now that I just kind of go with the algorithms. Whatever is it's playing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? Animals. Wow. Okay. Uh, favorite holiday? Thanksgiving. Ooh, yes. Good food. How long yeah. does it take you to get ready? <laughs> In this pandemic world, about five minutes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> point, point of reference, 15 minutes before this conversation started, I got in the shower. Um, <laughs> yeah, I brushed my hair today. <laughs> hey, that's new. I did not. <laughs> <That's a perk. laughs> yeah. Uh, scale of one to 10. How good of a driver are you? Eight and a half. Whoa, eight and a half. Okay. Give yourself a nine. Don't give a half. Come on. All right. All right. We'll round up. I'm a nine. Fill in the blank. Taylor Swift is? Awesome. Oh, yes. Yes. Absolutely. At what age do you want to retire? 36. (laughs) Which would be later this year. I was going to say, is that this year? (laughs) You're like, I'm just done. I'm done. Uh, Invisibility or super strength? invisibility wow okay sneaky uh is it wrong (laughs) is it wrong for a vegetarian to eat animal crackers nah nah of course not (laughs) kim thank you so much i really appreciate you doing this and thank you for putting out uh it was so great to see you again and i'm I'm glad to hear that you're doing well and i'm really excited for you and, and and your little girl there thank you it's so great catching up with you paul emily wonderful to meet you Cannot wait to hear what you do. I'm sure you're going to be on this podcast on the other <laughs> side pretty soon. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for talking to us. It was super eye-opening. I don't know that much about civil, so it was super informative for me. So I'm sure our listeners will know a lot, too, after listening to this. Awesome. Thanks, Kim. We'll let you know when we get this out. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. we're back um <laughs> oh my god sorry this is so hard because paul right before this was making fun of me because i always say awesome and we're back so i tried to you did it you didn't use change it i was waiting breath. for awesome i was holding my breath and then i got i had too much i'm sorry i was i was not laughing at you i just i was laughing at your face because you're like and eh? like you're, you're like i could do this i could do something different than awesome <laughs> yeah i know it was a big step for me um taking out that word but I was just wondering, Paul, like, what do you think is the larger takeaway for this for um, prospective students? I think the larger takeaway is um, trust your gut. I mean, when you when you go through the ideas of figuring out what it is you want to study in college or when you maybe sometimes put too much pressure on yourself to find out what it is you want to do for the rest of your life in high school, um, it, you're, you're probably making it a little too complicated. And so when you see something that sounds cool and interesting and you just like doing it, just keep going down that road. I I think there Mm -hmm. are a lot of students, if we transition kind of to the idea of just what civil engineering is, I think there's a lot of students that start with the idea of civil engineering and construction and building with materials. And then somewhere along the line, someone tells them like, oh, that's, that's not a way to go. You know, this idea of of computers and technologies where we go and, and they're, they're, they're missing out on the idea that infrastructure 
is one of our largest problems right now, uh, not only in the United States, but worldwide. And we talked a little bit about that in the episode where, you know, we've got aging infrastructure at best. In a lot of places, we do not have modern infrastructure and how technology is changing a number of the ways that things are built, uh, not only just with sustainability certifications, but also with the ideas of smart buildings and smart energy usage. A lot of the research is going on at USC. Um, civil engineering is one of the most uh, innovative disciplines out there that has a distinct impact on every human being on a daily basis. Um, you know, without the work that civil engineers do, we would not have any of the things that we rely on. on um, for, for an organized civilization or society. And um, mm-hmm. I think for lack of a better term, as, 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 any, as anybody wakes up in the day, we all take for granted uh, what we have available to us, whether that's clean running water, whether that's plumbing, whether it's a roof over our heads, whether it's transportation, highways, whether it's uh, anything we don't see underground, uh, all of this is done because of the work of civil engineers. And I think it's, it's, uh, it's really missed out on as far as what we can innovate for. And I think there's a lot of space for new types of technology that we haven't even dreamt of yet. And, and it's going to take a younger generation to look at the same problems that we've had since the beginning of time and figure out, okay, what can we do differently here? And is that reinventing how we build something, what we use something for, or to the materials that we're going to use, or how we can make it a little more... Um, I don't know, uh, cooler for lack of a better term, I, I think is, is the word I'm looking for, which is we, we, you know, just because we built the freeway the same way over and over again, does it, should we do that again? You know, mm-hmm. that was the really long answer to your question, but I don't know what, what were, what was something you took away from the conversation that was kind of fun for you? I think for me, it was interesting talking to a civil engineer because I'm also not super familiar with it. I definitely mm-hmm. fell in the category of like buildings. Yes. Infrastructure. Great. Um, but it was really cool hearing from her. And I liked how she painted this picture of civil engineers kind of as like working in the background. You might not notice that they're like doing all this, like behind the scenes work, but like every time you step into a building, you're not worried if the building is going to fall down. Um, and I think that really speaks to like what she does. Absolutely. Very cool. Well, it was great to talk with Kim. I'm glad you had a chance to meet her and I'm glad that you all had a chance to listen. Thank you so much for hanging out with us for a little bit. We will see you real soon with another episode. Uh, I don't know, a couple next couple of days. See you soon. Bye.